Denise Hummel. I have the luxury of being with Dr. Bob Nelson, who's considered the leading advocate for employee recognition and engagement worldwide, and the only person who's ever done a PhD dissertation on the topic that I know of, at least. Um, He's presented on six continents and worked with 80% of the Fortune 500. He's sold 5 million books, may even be more as the time of the, uh, the time of this podcast, And uh, those books include 1,501 Ways to Reward Employees, which is now, by the way, in its 64th printing, Uh, the 1,001 Rewards and Recognitions Field Book, and 1,001 Ways to Energize uh, Employees. Dr. Bob has been featured extensively in the national and international media, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, CBS 60 Minutes, MSNBC, ABC, PBS, and NPR, to name a few. And Bob was recently hired by the United Nations, just very recently, I'm sure he'll tell you about that, to help them design and implement a recognition program for their 40,000 employees worldwide. Most importantly, he's a friend, a colleague, and a brother in the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Legacy Team. Welcome, Bob, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you. What a (laughs) buildup. You deserve it. (laughs) And then some. Um, So I thought we'd start, if you don't mind, just very broadly giving our listeners an understanding of just what your mission is in life uh, and from a professional point of view. Obviously, I have your three books in front of me. I've read two out of the three. And uh, and so we want to hear about those two. But just let's start super broad and just tell me what is your mission as it relates to um, executives and organizations as a whole? Well, I'm kind of the Johnny Appleseed of employee recognition and engagement, so I like to feel like I'm on a mission to help spread the word and convert the the uh, the heathen that don't see the value of it. It's kind of funny because the uh, the foundation of my of my um, work is very simple, almost common sense, and yet it's far from common practice as in companies today as we become more high tech and and get um, things are moving faster companies are matrixed you know every every single element makes doing the simple things harder and we're more removed from those so what what could be harder than to thank someone for doing a good job we're done you know <laughs> it's, right but um yeah but then you know get busy and then the busier you get the more you just focus on the mistakes and the errors and then you never thank them and and they noticed it (laughs) that you didn't and after the second they do a good job and no one says anything let alone their boss they they, it surprises them but then that becomes that's that becomes the norm Mm -hmm. and um any anyone with with uh decent amount of uh, self-esteem is time to look around for a better work environment. Someone right. that, that values where I bring the party and what I can do and is helping me to do that. So that's the long story short that happens. And if um, you take this topic seriously and you actually get leaders in your organization or in your own dealings with people, if you have a group, if you get them or all leaders in your organization to do these simple things in their sphere of influence then uh, if you have a critical mass you get a culture of recognition and then that happens we know you got you got some big time uh, positives that are going to go on including your people feeling five times more valued and being six times more likely to say they work for a great company and seven times more likely to stay working for the organization for their career 
which is critically important. Uh, I, I, I would say too that, you know, for our work, which is all about inclusion, um, the whole employee recognition part of that is is critical. Um, people feel belonged be, that they belong in part when they do feel recognized, and also the parity associated with the recognition is important too, right? So if white males are getting recognized in a way that outweighs, let's say, women and people of color, um, that has kind of a debilitating impact too. Yes, absolutely, and, and some of those can be very unintentional, even if if the the guys that go out drinking, you know, on Thursday nights or play poker, and and that's uh, a very big form of recognition if the people you're playing poker with are all the VPs of the corporation and or going out golfing or whatever it may be. So it could have been not um, intentional to leave someone out, but by default, you end up doing that because you don't include them. So, um, so you have to be you have to be cognizant of. Who you're not doing stuff with, and 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 uh, so gender is one thing, but often I find it's like the people that are outside, out of mind, the, the people that are virtual, or the people we anyone in their job, even executive, has a a set number of people that they're dealing with most frequently. They have to stop and say, who am I not talking with? You know, who, what are they doing, and how can I keep tabs and, and help them and let them know that I'm there for them. So that might be, it could be, I'm, I'm a traveler of, of techniques and examples. It could be entering the, the building from a different door, you know, shaking it up and not breaking your own routine. So you, you interact and, and, and see different people that work for you. Um, or I, I know managers that will pause before they open the door of where they work and think what's on their mind. What are they worried about? What, if it's something really important, take out a piece of paper and write it down. And then they, they kind of clear their head because as they walk into the building, they're walking on stage. And the stage that they're performing for every day are the people that they're working with and they're working for, who I think are all asking the same question. How are we doing <laughs> as a group, as a company? How am I doing <laughs> as part of the team here? And, and um, it doesn't take much to have them feel included. How's your weekend? You know how how are you, how are your kids? How are your you know knowing 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 their life and this all kind of starts with getting to know people and the more you know about someone, the more fodder you have to motivate them, not to manipulate them, not to trick them into working harder, but to be genuine and and uh, caring for them. And if you show that in your actions, it doesn't take many times for people to feel that my boss is on my side. I'll, I'll do anything for him you know, or her. I had, uh, I, I was, I've been blessed with having worked with and for some, um, some great uh, leaders, some great people, managers. Uh, Ken Blanchard was one of them I worked for for 10 years. I was um, early on, I was his chief of staff, and I, you know, which meant a lot of, you know. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up being a VP of product development, but um, in the early uh, days I was, Helping with his writing, uh, and and uh, and helped him, you know, as, as a chief of staff and stuff. So that included some some glamorous activities like running him to the airport. <laughs> was that was that before situational leadership or or no, after? No, no, after situational. After. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had already taught situational leadership for years uh, before I even met Ken uh, for a corporation. So that was, um, but. Um, 
I just could tell one one story on him, and that was like so. I I spent a lot of time with Ken, you know. <laughs> and one time he told me that I knew him better than anyone in his life. Wow. You know? So, and so he would he knew about my family, and he knew about. And I, I remember you know he'd ask you know as, as part of conversations, I'd tell him about my son Danny, who at the time was three, and how he really loved trains, and you know he and and so I'm, I'm taking Ken to the airport. He's going on a three month trip and uh um, i pick him up at the end of three months he's been all over the world and i don't know how he did he's got one bag the whole time and i'm with him when he's unpacking we're catching up and stuff and and here out of this one bag he pulls out this little wooden train for danny seriously (laughs) i'm going oh my god I would, wow talk about recognition i would have done anything for that guy because he showed through his actions that he was on my side. He cared about me and, and my family and my career and my That I, is seriously powerful. I mean <laughs> that's I mean, I don't want to say more powerful than a raise or more powerful than a promotion, but it is on a completely different level, on a yeah, heart level. Exactly. Um exactly. In terms of just the investment. I mean, there is such a difference, as we know, in terms of um successful organizations, uh those that that have within their ranks individuals who are coming to work every day and just picking up a paycheck, you know, they're doing everything right. They're meeting their, their KPIs, their performance evaluations are great, but they're basically picking up a a paycheck rather than being invested in the company that they're with. That sense of loyalty, that sense of heart isn't there. If you have a leader that's doing what you just described and think about it, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it took, effort probably more then than now. I mean, now you'd get on Amazon, but still, you know, you get on Amazon, you choose something or you have your admin do it. You have to have it with you in your pocket or in your carry on. I mean, it takes that kind of planning, but um, imagine, wow, 10 bucks, you know, and uh, exactly. But it was like he had a presence of mind that that although I wasn't with him, that I was still was with him, that he was thinking about me or my family or my kids. I, I, I tell you another story on Ken. He was I remember, you know, I knew my 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 wife, and when I remember, I told him, uh, you know, when her birthday was, and he called first thing in the morning to, to wish her a happy. Birthday. Oh, she's not here. He called me on that day uh, five times until to, he got her. Until he got her. Wow. And it was like nine at night. That's that's. Jenny, phone for you. Wow, you know? that <laughs> is overwhelming. <laughs> that is her, unreal. He made a big thing of the little things, and that uh, adds up. So I want to ask you just, again, you, you know that most of the people that, that tune into our podcast are very, very interested in um, the inclusion aspects of, mm-hmm. of, of leadership, and, and it's, it's so important in, in the whole concept of recognition. One of the things that is important to me uh, in particular, I think, is that um, the, the recognition strategy for an organization um, not be static or monolithic. And just as an example, I'll just say that for, for example, what, what we consider to be appropriate recognition here in the United States, which, which often is, you know, we're a very individualistic country, right? Uh, um, in the sense that it's about me, it's about my promotion. It's about the fact that I led this project and I got a raise, uh, and I, uh, met my MBOs, I, I, I. Whereas if you take Japan and other countries in Asia, for example, it's all about, you know, we, the we, 
Exactly. So if you, if you don't have the ability to include everyone in your recognition strategy, um, and, and I'll put gender in there as, as well, the things that, that many women, um, you know, would consider to be that heart recognition that you just described are going to be different than men likely generationally as well. So can you talk a little bit to, um, those, those variables, those differences? Sure. And to me, most of those go away. If you just give a little few minutes of of thought to it and say, and, and not just go with your knee jerk reaction. So, and I'll, let me, let me own up on something that I did. I thought I, when I worked back when I was working with Ken and I had got, so I had uh, 16 people working for me. So I wanted to do something nice for him. So, you know, Christmas coming up. So, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get everyone that works for me a honey baked ham that I paid for out of my own pocket, 60 bucks each. So it's, you know, um, what's that? 800 bucks or something. Oh, this will be nice. I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had two, uh, two people, Mario and said, Bob, this is, thank you so much. I know just who to give this to. I'm going, what the heck, you know? <laughs> and, and he's Jewish. Yeah. It's not Dean Ham. So yeah. it's, it's like, you know, good. Or how uh, about a golfing outing? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, actually. Or, or, or how about a hunting weekend? Well, be, I'll, I'll take, <laughs> I could do this whole thing just about Ken because we did a, uh, a golfing outing as a company function once. And, you know, he, he golfs every week or two. So, you know, he, he's very good at it and um, has the outfit and the clubs and the coach. And no one else in the company has that. So everyone else was dreading it, you know. And, and uh, he, he made it fun. They, we did it as a scramble. So that was making a team event out of an individual event of golf that you play as a team. That means every, every hole you have to use somebody's shot you know, uh, on each hole, and so it made a game, and, and that, that was inclusive, but the whole idea of just starting with it being golf, uh, I got to think half the company was mortified. It's like, yep. what do I wear, and I'm going to look so stupid, you know, and everyone's going to laugh at me, and I think I'll be sick that day, you know, so. Uh, I, I was I was on a, a, a team for a, a very large Fortune 1000 uh, company, and, you know, where, so I, I joined the team as the only um, female, and they had this longstanding, like, you know, several years in a row, um, you know, hunting, you know, weekend. And I, you know, the first year I wasn't invited to it. And the second year I said, you know, I noticed that I was the only one who wasn't <laughs> invited to this um, weekend. And they said, well, we just assumed you wouldn't want to come. And I said, well, you're right about that. I actually wouldn't want to come to that, but I'm just wondering if we should figure out another type of weekend that might be appropriate, you know, for all of us, or at least take some sort of like a census of, you know, what, you know, the majority, you know, hopefully all of us would at least enjoy or, or be, I didn't want to say be able to stomach, but, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a matter of, really as you said taking the time to think and and, and sometimes it, sometimes you just have to ask a broader group of people um to get the feedback somebody maybe on the executive staff would have said i don't think ham is such a good idea or something along yeah. those lines yeah and and in the, or in that case or uh, you know have a uh, at least a plan b that said you know we're hunting but uh, or a spa package you know, right. <laughs> for we can now that still isn't including everybody, so that would be better to do that. 
and uh, I, I think uh, Hunt and Spa. Hunt and Spa. Yeah, there's a there's a lodge, have a spa. Yeah, so there's a lake. Good luck. Oh but, uh, gosh, I mean, I think that here's the bottom line: is that if you include a broad group of stakeholders in your decision making, you're likely to make a better choice. Yes, or to have someone else do that. An example I have in the Thousand One Ways to Engage um, Employees book, my latest is is uh, uh, an executive that he he uh, sent me the story. He said, I, uh, much like you were just saying, he goes, every year we try to do something for the staff, and and it seems like we never get it right. And and he was the one that would kind of pick it. And he, he gave it to another executive to do, and the same results that no one was ever happy and didn't seem to really make sense. And they were spending a lot of money on it, but it, it didn't, a lot of people wouldn't participate, and it wasn't that enjoyable. And he, he decided... Uh, maybe I should have someone else take a shot at it. And he had a, a, a young member of the staff, a millennials, say, yeah, I'd, let me do it. And, and the guy was great. And he, had, he, he did a survey, a monkey, to see what people would like. And then he did a, you know, uh, reservations on, on another app and, and came up with diff- different options. And it was tremendous that he did, he, he did things that they'd never done before People loved it. The, the participation went up. The, the buzz went up. And it was by all came from the persons, instead of saying, these people are ungrateful, I'm doing this, they should appreciate it, how can we better connect with people and let someone else try it or, or set up a committee to, to decide? So coming at it a different approach would be the, the answer to, to do that. So, so the approach is inclusive, not just one person deciding what everyone's going to do. Yeah. Understood. I think recognition is, is, I think, especially important for, like I say, a lot of times the people that get it are the ones that have the most contact with the person. So if their their admin is gets employee of the month, you know, <laughs> every other month kind of thing, then you, you got to have a way to reach out to say who else is deserving, and and not and and have someone or a group uh, decide that or a clear criteria that. It doesn't keep pointing to the same people year year in and year out, uh, and and even better, like the best leaders will will make an effort to to get out. Uh, I have uh, like I'm I'm working with um, a Honda America, and they they said, well, we you know we got uh, we were we got three different shifts. And I go, yeah, they're bringing me in to speak. I go, well, I want to speak on each shift. You know, I want, it's especially you. important wow. for me to do the night shift. I don't mind yeah. doing a program at three in the morning, and you know, I want to show up. You know, and I, I'd like you to show up with me. You know, and 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 just uh, that's making a statement. You know, just where you're spending your time and who you're with um, goes a long, long way. I've I've uh, worked with companies where they had a more motivated staff on night shift because of the people that were managing there right. and the things that they did that made people feel. Valued, but talk about the you know walking the talk for you as a as a speaker to you know to insist on that or to suggest that means that you're 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 actually profiling and mentoring the behavior that you're looking for in in your clients. And I already know that yeah. they that they never get that. Yeah, you know, sorry, uh, this we're going to change it on this one. Or right, I, I good for you. Worked with uh, Radies Children Hospital and did like twelve events, and I said, no, we got to schedule night night events and we did and, and it, it was great and, and they were appreciative and 
and not, not just me, but bringing in, um, you know, a leader as well or, or a few. That's great. Now, I will tell you, the book, out of your three books, the one that I am the least familiar with is the one with the most uh, intriguing um, title, which is, and tell me if I'm pronouncing this right, Ubuntu? Ubuntu. 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 So, and I understand that, it, that um, it, you know, it's, um, it's, it's an inspiring story relative to a, an African tradition related to teamwork and collaboration but since i haven't yes. yet read it do i do you okay. mind if i i have this book in front of me do Absolutely. i get to keep this you do yes. okay okay you i want to put it on my bookshelf um and, and i, I want to read it and then put it on my bookshelf it's but again a very simple concept okay i'm drawn to simple content uh concepts that that often aren't common sense this is in the culture of south africa this this uh, feeling of inclusion that no matter what they're doing they start with um, the group together, not the individual. So <laughs> I'll give you one example. <clears throat> they had a, a social science experiment uh, expender that, that he had. He was there, and he had a, a bunch of little kids, and he said, there's a bag of candy by that tree up there. Whoever gets there first can have it. What did these kids do? They joined hands and ran together. Oh my gosh! And, and afterward, he's interviewing. He goes, "Now you were you were bigger than the other kids. You could have, it could all been yours." He said, "I wouldn't have enjoyed it if I couldn't share it with my friends." It wow. it's just in in their culture that, that. So does that come from the fact that 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 where they are from, they are stronger together, dealing with whatever conditions they might be dealing with, or is it something else entirely different? It's, it's cultural, whether it's family or it's inclusion. You start with you don't you go off and do stuff on your own. You start with there's a saying in in Africa that if you if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Hmm. And and that's an African proverb. And it's a, it's the same thing. We we will be stronger if we do whatever it is together. Whether it's one task or one assignment or or our, our mission for our organization. If we pull together to make it collectively ours instead of just you know a few people are driving everyone else is doing something else and we're not gonna i mean just saying that you can realize that you can have a, a dispersed effort you're not going to be as efficient and, and effective as if you really all pull together and help each other and that's what the best teams do they, did you did you actually visit africa uh, i did and wh I where did. in africa uh south africa okay uh and which is where uh, there, there's this concept throughout africa it's called different things in different parts but but Ubuntu is, comes from South Africa. I was in Cape Town and, and uh, got to got visit uh, Robben Island where Nelson Mandela was in prison for 17 years wow. and see his cell. And, and he, he used this concept to, to unify the nation after the fall of apartheid in 1989. That he, he, he imagined someone, he was elected president coming out of a jail cell you know? right. and now now how how is he magically going to unify a very divided country divided for 600 years by the way from colonial rule and and this was the concept he used from there that he knew he knew these people and he knew their traditions and he and he leaned hard on this he says we uh, and so from the from the start and there's a wonderful movie that uh, captures this that uh, Invictus Invictus and and Invictus is a poem, and um, the movie uh, stars uh, Morgan Freeman as and you've got to see it if you haven't and Matt haven't seen Matt it. Damon 
it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. When I, when I speak, I show clips from it. And so, uh, for example, so how has he really, how, how are you going to unify a country? Well, you got to start <laughs> wherever you are. So there's an early scene in the movie where his uh, security guard uh, came in and, and uh, the, and they, they said uh, the, the previous security people that worked for the previous president, that they were, had been assigned to the, the new, new security people. And they, what the heck? And they, they went to see the president and go, we can't work with these people. These are the people that, that enslaved us. And he goes, no, these, these people are good at what they do. You, you need more people. We have to do this together. And and the person, it was just so hard for them because they were so bitter, and and he, he said we we if we do the same thing to them that they did to us, we're going to be no better than them. We have to be bigger than that. And and he just, at that that point, the one person on the staff try try. That's all I'm asking that you try. So it went it went from that to the, they actually set up um, as a as a country, uh, what they call them. Um, they they set up groups for for people to hear confessions of of um, people that had done wrong, and 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 not to not to punish them, but just to just to clear the air, if you will. And they had the, and they did that for a long time, and they opened public meetings where people would come and say, "Here's," and it was a part of the healing process. And let, me, let me ask you a question, um, I, and I, I know you have a, a, a very unification committee. Yeah, 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 okay, That's okay. <laughs> a very ro robust uh, answer for this. But how you know, obviously, it's it's easy to see uh, how powerful this would be in the scenario that you're describing. Um, you know, reunifying uh, a country, basically. How how do we apply these principles to to enterprise to 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 large organizations? Well, in any any group, so the whole company or a department or any just a project team, you start with <coughs> you start with the the unit. You don't you don't have one person set the goals for everyone. We do we do everything together. We start with, and and the whole concept of Ubuntu is that um, we're greater uh, with both of us than with one of us, it's, and so it's it, you you practice that in any action you're doing. So it's. It could be one task. It could be the the group. At, at, at this is one of the programs I did at Rady uh, Children's Hospital, and they gosh darn if the accounting department <coughs> they grabbed hold of it and they started doing Ubuntu Day every Thursday, and they wore dashikis to work. I mean, they, they, it was it was fun, and that was a day where they they talked about ideas for how it can be better. It it was uh, it was a break from and they took ideas from everybody. And they discussed them as a group, and they implemented them in different ways. But it was the whole thing of how can of all the stuff we're trying to do, and they they've got goals, and everyone's busy. How can we can we put a pause to focus on how we can be better together, bringing our, our best thinking together? Now <clears throat> let me ask you a question because there, it, it seems to me that in almost every group situation, there are voices that predominate, right? And there are voices that tend to be more silent. Uh, a lot of people just assume. That the more silent voices as well, you know, they have nothing to say. When in reality, those people might be anything from introverts, more cerebral, um, culturally take more time to to speak. Sometimes they have the most to say. Right. If, so if how how do you balance how do you balance that? How do you create a situation where everyone has a voice? Well, as a leader, you've got to you've got to reach out to the quiet people. And I, I did a book on meetings way back, and one of the things was you you as the leader 
You, this this hear from someone we haven't heard from yet. Just making that statement, it makes the, the quiet people speak up. You gave them permission, and or Jerry, yes, you, you made your feelings very clear. I like to hear from the other people, and and so the person that's more dominant, that is, that uh, says something and then says it again, and says it again till everyone you know is worn down. You, you you put a cork on that, and you say, we, "How about how about you, John? How about you, Sally? And and what, what do you see?" And, and sometimes the the best uh, the best answers can come from the newest people that aren't enmeshed in how we've always done it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. I, I work with a, a company in Connecticut um, that uh, had a uh, employee suggestion program that they called iPower. iPower, very simple. They asked every employee to turn in two ideas every week. Every employee, two I ideas. Like it. And they had, you know, most companies, their suggestion program is consists of a suggestion box in the lunchroom that no one ever opens. You know, so this is, <coughs> this is a, they're asking for uh, a commitment, a daily commitment, uh, every, a weekly commitment. And then instead of taking a committee to review those ideas and say, well, this one will never work. And, and they take a volunteer from the group, so one of the group looking at the, and they and they train them to say, "Here's how we act. We react to the ideas." Wow, that's a good one. You should really do that and give it back to the person whose idea it was. Tell us how we can support you with your idea. <laughs> and now every, everyone now they did that. The first year they got 2,700 ideas. Now every one of those isn't a keeper, but if you if you bury them all before you look at any of them, you know, so it, it's which one's getting to play starts with that, that conversation. And as a result, they, as that became, uh, and it took them a couple tries, by the way, you know, because you, you're breaking through how we've always done things. We've never done that before. Why are we doing it now? Because right. we think there's something here that we need the best thinking of everyone. Right. So it's that, that, that commitment, and we need uh, to include everyone. And um, a lot of times, the, the the newest person can can have the uh, the most. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example from that company. Uh, bo boardroom uh, reports is what it's called. They do newsletters. Five of the six largest newsletters in the country. Uh, bottom line uh, business. Uh, do a tax newsletter, etc. And um, I spoke to uh, a woman there. She goes, on the first day of work here, I didn't even know where I was sitting yet. And and I was called into a staff meeting, my first day of work, and I haven't been in the building 20 minutes, and someone in the meeting turned to me and they said, what do you think we should do about this problem? So I, I almost fell on the floor. I came from a job, I'd been there eight years, no one ever once had asked me my opinion about anything, and here I don't even know where I'm sitting yet, and they wanna know what I think. Well, it, it felt pretty good, and right. no matter what I said, I, I'm going to be thinking about that, and then, and then all of a sudden, you got me on fire because I've got more and more ideas that you want to hear, and then uh, helping me put them into practice. Wow! All of a sudden, I've got an exciting job, and I can make whatever future I want to make happen here because of the support and the fact that that you no, know, only these people make the decisions, and only these people get the raises, and no, we're all in it. That's awesome. That so this little silly. This is the potential. of This this that little silly thing. Two ideas a week, every person. Um, they uh, in in three years they credited directly to this and only this and increased their revenues fivefold, just from doing this. Wow. And and how then, did they how did they make that 
correlation? Was that, I mean, like, ha- like a well, causal relationship? Well, I'll give you one. Like, but the, their shipping clerk, you know, we need we need ideas from shipping clerks too. You know, so one of his two ideas, one in one week, he he said, well, I know they, they sell these big uh, hardback books, and and he said, you know, next time we get this book printed at the printer, if we trim the the trim size of the pages by a sixteenth of an inch, he calculated that. That, that it would fall under, it'd be way a little less, it would fall under the postal mark, we'd save some money in, in postage. And they're going, wow, is he, is he, you know, here, the, the chairman of the company, Marty Edelson, he told me, Bob, I've worked in direct mail for 27 years. I didn't even know there was a fourth class postal rate, but the kid that's staring at the chart day in and day out, he knew it was. If we can get into his perspective and see what he says, they made that one change. Next time they printed this, this big oversized book, trimmed the paper size slightly, they were able to save a half million dollars in postage in the first year. That is unbelievable. <laughs> so that so so obviously the, the importance of, of of diversity, diverse ideation, being able to um, get uh, ideation from literally from the ground floor up. So from from entry level, from someone, it sounds like. Well, you you call, you kind of called him a kid. So I imagine it was a, young, all, younger, a yeah. young guy, a young guy. You know, in 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 a relatively you know lower position, at least as compared to executives and fancy you know VPs and SVPs or what have Not you. That they treat him the same, right? I mean, I mean, point point being that if you don't give everyone a voice and if you don't get ideation from wherever it comes you could lose out on something that is unbelievably valuable to your point absolutely yeah at, at uh, disney for example i worked with disney they were part of my doctor work and i worked with them for 15 years you know who the most important person in the theme park is no person speaking up trash interesting because they get the most customer interaction of anyone hey oh, where's okay. Oh, where's, where's, such where's, and such? where's Mickey? Yeah. We can't find Mickey. Now imagine that that uh, teenager picking up trash. Uh, where's Mickey? How should I know? I'm picking yeah, up I trash. Don't care. Yeah, get, get yeah. out. Of, there's information yeah. booth at the entrance. Get right. out of here. You know? Right. And uh, kids, we're going to the car. That's it. Right. <laughs> we're out right. of here. But instead, what does this kid do? Gets down on one knee. Have you met Mickey before? Let me take you over there. And the, the family's already planning their next trip. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. They come back here. Yeah. They feel like a million dollars because someone took two minutes with them to take them someplace where they couldn't find. You know, it's and 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 made their little girl, little boy feel like like a they're in heaven. Dollars. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a and, great and, example. And, and, and so they 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 don't. If you ask them what their what their job was. They wouldn't say I'm I'm a trash picker. They, I'm an ambassador for Disney, and they are. That's awesome. And so they, that is just awesome. So they they hire for that. They train for that. They evaluate for that. It drives all their success. It drive this this concept drives all their success. Denise. Yep, that is amazing. Disney currently has forty two percent of the entertainment market in our country. This is the ground zero for where wow. it all. Walt Disney early in his career, he he said he realized he had an epiphany. Here's his, I don't know how old he was, but before he had a company, he said, I, he realized that you can't yell at someone in the back room and expect them to come out and deal with the customer like nothing's wrong. None right. of us can, can change like that. So, you're, you know, we're, we're, we stay the same. And so he said, if I ever have any people that work for me, I'm going to treat them like my customer. If I do that well enough, they will automatically treat 
our company's customers like that is incredible well i'll i'll say this now i'm going to segue kind of sort of um we've been talking about young people so why don't we um segue to um these concepts that you talk about in uh you know your 1001 ways to engage employees 1501 ways to reward employees um uh why why does this seem to um motiv- motivate this this next generation so millennials and and gen z why why do you feel like it has a disproportionate impact or or, or does it well it does it does and and there's a it's a good discussion I'll, I'll, by way of anecdote i'll tell you i got uh i was on uh, cbs 60 minutes and they they called me they wanted to interview me about millennials and i said I I don't. Why would you ask me? I'm not a millennial. And they said, uh, I don't, "What What do you?" And they, I don't think you have the right person. He said, "No, no, no. We're we're positive we have the right person," because they said from our research they they discovered that the millennial generation has one of the attributes is they have the expectation of being of getting feedback and recognition on a daily basis. This is a trophy generation. They grew up right, with being right, the right. center of attention and 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 you're the you're the uh, king of rewards and the guru of thank you. So yes, right. no, we have the right person. Thank you. And so, and so, nice. so, and so I did that. That Maurice Schaefer interviewed me. It was wonderful. Um, but the the whole thing is that the the generation they have they do have this need, um, and it's from the times. It's from how they grew up. It's they grew up on the internet. They everything about their life is microwaved you know they they're instant instant uh you could say it's a short attention span but it's not and this is a key point they don't need feedback and recognition because they've got a frail ego and they need to be puffed up all the time they 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 want it because they're resourceful that they know in in whatever they do today whatever job you're in it's changing quickly and it's moving very fast. And what you ask them to do tomorrow is probably different than what you asked them to do yesterday. Right. So the only, only way to take the guesswork out of it was that what you wanted is to have it validated. In real time. Good job at that. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a thank you, but it, it could also it, it just feedback. They, right. They can't operate in a vacuum. Right. So the, what do you think about the whole idea of, of having millennials start and say, okay, well, here's your job description. Just go over it. And then we're going to put it in the drawer. And 12 months from now, we're going to bring it out and see how you, how you did. What? <laughs> <laughs> they, that's inconceivable. How uh, they 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 need the, they need the ongoing feedback. So uh, and, and since the average millennial right now uh, in in the in tenure is uh, one point eight years and dropping, they're not going to be around for the five year pin. You know, right, for the exactly. ten year plaque. They're you know? moving too fast. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. out of so the things that we've done with the previous generations is out of sync with the times. With with if you want them to work out. And feel a part of things. You need to engage them now, right, and right. we have to have a steady stream of feedback, and and that includes, uh, uh, you know, uh, corrections as well as good job at this. Uh, Stephen Covey used to talk about the emotional bank account. You got to make some deposits before right. you can make some withdrawals. You right. know, so that's why I say you start with start with um, uh, start with getting to know them. Okay. And and you know, first day of work, coffee or lunch or a lot of places you could have worked in our community. What was about this company that really attracted you? What do you hope to learn while you're here? So hit the ground running with that immediate um, connection. We're in it together. We're, I want to find out more about you, not, not to manipulate you, but to, to just know that 
I'm be on your side. Right. And and where do you want to be five years from now? Yeah. That's a powerful, powerful question. And if yep. they if they don't know, well, think about that because part of my job is to help you get you prepared. Right. For the next step. Wow. I can't promise you you're gonna get a promotion, but I can promise you if you're working for me, you're gonna learn the skills that are gonna put you in line for the job you want to do next. Let me ask That's you. That's huge. We're we're getting um, close to the end of our time together. I think it's important to ask you, as the expert, what what are some of the the trends that you're seeing? Can you give us some examples of of actual concrete um, ideas, um, best practices, or even next practices in terms of um, in terms of employee recognition? Sure. And I brought I define uh, recognition. Broadly, maybe I've learned more broadly than most. Most people think of well, recognition is what we're doing now. That's the, that's the, um, the years of service, and that's the employee of the month, and and that's <laughs> and that's recognition. So, I, and so I, I, for my research, I looked at the the top, um, looked at 52 specific behaviors to see which which ones employees most wanted when they did a good job, and I factored those into a dozen factors. The top 10 required no money at all. And so it was a thank you, and there's different ways to do a thank you even. It's a very rich dimension, so it could be face-to-face, it could be electronically, it could be um, by email, it could be publicly. And so you really should fire on each of those dimensions. And so I I find a lot of times people are good at one type and they don't do the other types. Well, you gotta use the whole range of, of, what's available to you but then it's also asking people for their ideas and input it's also um, involving people in decisions especially if those decisions affect them and the job you're asking them to do it's kind of rude not to do that (laughs) and it's a lot smarter if you do that you can start with people that are closer to the action and you're going to have probably a better decision and then you can even say that now I've got to make the final decision I'm the boss but I know it'll be a better decision if I get input from all of, all of you, uh, because you're doing it, and I, I'm, I haven't done it for a few years, or maybe I've never done it, and, and so it's it'll be a it'll, it'll be a, it's going slow to to go fast and then implement better. It's, it would be a big one I find is um, is all behaviorally. If someone if someone makes a mistake, yeah, you can embarrass them in front of the team, and you know, bravo, you're the smartest person in the room. But you can also Take a breath and say, hey, I'm not sure I would have done it the same way, but what'd you learn from that? What'd you learn from that? That's the best training we've had all had all year. That's I'm glad you made that mistake. Wow. Th- now that's taking the long, long-term view of that relationship with that person over the momentary glory of, of proving you're smarter than the smartest person. That's why I'm the boss, I'm the smartest person. A lot of a lot of managers, when they take a job, they feel they need to prove themselves. And the way they end up doing it is by catching everyone else doing things wrong and correcting everyone, and I'm the smartest person. It's like, you want to really impress people that you're the right person? Don't do any of that. Instead, take time to talk to everyone and ask them what they most need to be effective in their job. And when you get a consensus on what you're hearing, go for that one thing, whatever it is, you, you go to your boss and you say, you know, you put me in this job. Uh, they're, this is what they need. you got to back me up here. And, and you get the... The, the new computer or, or you get whatever the thing they've been trying to get for years you got the software upgrade or you got the whatever and then now you're saying a message this is a guy that can get something done right this is wow and it's on our he took it what is getting done is the things that we said we we most needed to have 
done to be effective. And and uh, and, he, and he gives credit to them too. So I'm going to ask you one last kind of wrap up question, which which is, um, and and you can answer it any way you like. I'll I'll make I'll make it a little loosey goosey. Which is, what is the most um, common mistake you find that leaders make in the employee recognition area, and or um, what do you most wish that executives would do differently? Well, executives, you're in the context of the company, and I find that there's a lot. Every company is doing something, and for most companies, they're doing stuff out of the 1940s. You know, and so uh, right right now, I'm working with Qualcomm, which is the largest corporation in town here, uh, 30,000 employees in 44 countries, $23 billion revenues, leading the world in 5G. And, and uh, when I talk to their executives, I say, Technology-wise, you're up here, but people be feeling valued for their contribution, you're down here. It's, you have a lumpy organization. And I, I'm not calling them out. This is true of almost every organization. You have a lumpy organization. You've got a few managers that are very good at this, and the people that work for them love them. <laughs> and, and, and things are cranking, and they're making things happen. But most of the people, 90% of your leaders, don't aren't aware of this they're, they, they don't feel we pay them we got good benefits isn't that enough and they don't feel for whatever reason they 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 never got the message it's good to connect with people around what they did well for a lot of different reasons for the practicality of getting more of that <laughs> and from that person and other people that saw that you did it that's what gets noticed around here there's a whole magical element that, that occurs when this happens and so um, we're in the process right now of changing that culture, and we are we will be successful. And part of it, I, like we just did a panel interview of all all VPs. We had we had five VPs that we knew that were good at this topic, and I interviewed them about why they do it, what they do, how they know it worked, and we invited 300 VPs to that session, and and some 60 logged on virtually. And so that's how you, you, we're starting to make hay with getting to the people that can impact this and saying, this is real. And, and 5G isn't going to happen with average people doing average work. You need the best people doing the best possible work. And this is what sets them on fire. There's no option for you not to do this. And if you think, you, if you think there is, we've got to keep talking. <laughs> I love the way you just expressed that. That is, um, that is over, over the top um, exciting. Uh, to think that you are have access to all these wonderful corporations and th that you are, you know, ha having such an influence on them gives me gr a great deal of hope, um, you know, for the future of of enterprise. Because I think I think one of the the biggest impediments that I see, at least in my work, is um, leaders uh, leading from from a, almost from the point of view of scarcity rather than abundance. Yes. That there is more than enough wealth to go around. There is more than enough recognition to go around. There is more than enough um, thought leadership to go around as long as we uh, are open to it. And, uh, and I'm, just, I'm just grateful that you're having the kind of influence that you're having. Well, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had the pleasure of being with Dr. Bob Nelson, one of the leading advocates for employee recognition and experts in the country, author of three different books. I hope you get out there to Amazon immediately or any other entity to buy those books. And 
please give us as much feedback as you can. As always, we're here to serve you. Thank you. And thanks, Bob. Thank you, Denise.